Welcome to the Dental Business Podcast with your host and owner of multiple businesses, a mentor, investor, and dental surgeon, Brad Thornton. Hi guys, it's uh, Brad Thornton here. So I'm doing an episode to do with basically taking over uh, someone's list. So it might be that you've bought a dental practice or you are joining a practice and taking over a a retired colleague or somebody that's left. And kind of what you've got to do to maybe look at easing the transition into the practice and, and kind of how you deal with taking over someone's list of patients that they may have been looking after for a number of years sometimes you know decades if we're talking about a retiring uh, dentist another reason I'm talking about this again is to do with what I've been privy to on on social media and some of these questions that come in from from dentists who have taken over a list and it's been in their eyes neglected or the patients are not very receptive to the treatment options that they're sort of giving them and this is something that actually I went through because I took over a list. Now, the list, I, the actual list I took over was a reasonably good list, but the principal who owned the practice, who uh, was still there when I when I came to my practice when I bought it, a lot of his patients maybe weren't the best maintained, and I gradually took over those as well. And it is difficult because you're sometimes facing it with a situation where you can see something that's probably been brewing for quite a while. There's no mention of it in the notes. The patient is obviously unaware of it. And it's like, well, how do you manage that situation? And there are a couple of things to, to think about now. I know this is going to be maybe a little bit controversial, some of the things that I mentioned. There's a bit of advice in there. I don't know whether this might be more of an opinion piece, I guess. I don't know. But, but this is kind of coming from experience. And I mean, there's a little bit of evidence drawn into this and maybe a couple of points that I think people need to focus on to help. So there's just a few things to, that, that I wanted to go through. Now, I know that the, the, the main issue that, that people find is, and I think I'm trying to think of what the specific things were, but I know that these the, the posters in these social networks, they were talking about how these patients are sceptical of what they're sort of suggesting. They, they don't want to see the hygienist and they don't want to be active or proactive in their sort of periodontal health. They don't want to learn more about oral hygiene. They don't want to go for the uh, RSD, the root surface debridement. They're finding it quite stressful giving patients bad news if they've been with the same dentist for 10, 20 years, five years, or however long. And you know, how are they managing these uh, lists that, that, that they seem, uh, they feel that are neglected, a neglected list where patients maybe haven't been being looked after. And it is, it is a bit of a pickle. Now, we've always got to remember that, I mean, the first thing to say is, you know, you are seeing this patient for the very first time. And it is always difficult to give bad news whilst building rapport because that first time you you see somebody really we we'll want to be trying to develop a relationship build some rapport gain some trust and then give advice that we find is the the right professional advice to be given from your position as a dentist their position as a patient you know you got to do your job but this is where i think something uh, things i say may be uh, disagreed with by quite a few listeners to be honest You've always got to think, in my opinion, you know, what is our purpose as a dentist really? Now, it's not to follow guidelines because it isn't. It's not to avoid being sued. That isn't the reason. We don't give advice 
because we're worried about future medical legal things. That isn't why we do it. The reason that we tell somebody to see a hygienist or explain you know, periodontal disease to them and explain ways to improve the, the situation because we want to change people's behaviours. We want to improve their health in any way that we can for the better. We want to be improving people's dental and oral health, give them the tools to help improve it themselves and give people better long-term prospects. That's what we're here for. We're here to make sure that people are a healthier longer term and the only way that we can really do that is by having a long-term relationship with patients so actually contrary to what a lot of the guidelines say I do think that the priority when we first see these patients is more about building rapport building relationships than just dumping a load of clinical information and diagnosis on them straight away because it turns a number of people off and this is what people get as a frustration whenever they're dealing with these lists. They're dealing with people who have just met you for the first time, they've been told something they've not been told before, you may be in opposition to the previous dentist, you may be telling them something they've never heard despite coming every six months for decades. So you immediately turn this person off and it's a, it's a really easy way to ensure that you don't build rapport very easily. Now there are going to be patients that are receptive and the hope is that a lot of them will be. But I do think the main priority really is one about building rapport. It's about introducing the idea. So if somebody's got, for instance, you know, if they've got periodontal disease. Now, I think there's a difference here between somebody whose teeth are going to fall out if they sneeze heavily compared to somebody who has got some increased pocket depths and, and inflammation and this idea. I think there's I think there's a difference, and we've got to caveat all of this by you as a clinician need to assess the patient's risk level and obviously if there are things that patients absolutely need to know about straight away then you've, you've got to tell them but I think we need to be introducing the idea of certain things a bit slower so a few tips about how to go about seeing patients for the first time in a list that is maybe not being looked after for the first time, giving bad news and building report. I mean, the first thing that I would say to anybody is you've got to be a little bit more patient. You've got to focus on a building report and a long-term relationship because I've been at my practice for 10 years. Some patients took three, four, five, six years to come round to the idea of seeing a hygienist. Now, I don't understand why as dentists we get so frustrated with a patient who isn't receptive to the idea of dealing with their perio condition. If when you look at the medical profession, there are patients that don't take up treatment that could cure them of a life-limiting disease. You know, they've got it way harder than we do. We just need to chill out a little bit. They're, they're only teeth. So if it takes a few years to get somebody to go and see the hygienist, then fair play. A good saying is, you know, everyone has the right to make the wrong decision. So what I tend to do is don't take it personally if people don't take your advice, but focus on building rapport at first. If somebody's got, and you can tell from the notes, they've not been told about periodontal disease. or I mean, peri period disease is the big one because that tends to be the thing that not that long ago wasn't, was it was a bit under-diagnosed and it wasn't really discussed not that long ago. 
So we've gone in, we've, we've kind of flipped into a situation where it has become the hot topic and things that people uh, feel extremely nervous about not talking in depth with, with patients through risk of litigation. Um, because there is more and more litigation related to, uh, related to periodontal disease. So we'll use that as the example. But if you've got patients that have got areas of active inflammation, they've got increased pocket depths, you know, whatever you want to, uh, however you want to look at this, they've got some active perio of some kind that you can tell that, that hasn't been mentioned before. These patients don't understand what it is and they have never been told about it. And the ideal end goal as a dentist is to get them engaged, get them proactive and uh, engaged in their own self-management and also then using your services as a dental practice to help them on their long-term maintenance plan and uh, and keeping on top of their their period disease. So for me, I will I'll tell them that they've got areas of inflammation. You know, whenever we talk about things at my practice, I try and steer away from the idea of using the word gum disease. I know a lot of people use it, but it's not even a diagnosis and it's way too subjective. So you t- can turn people off immediately if you use terms like that. So we talk about inflammation, bleeding, we talk about pockets. Uh, what I'll tend to do is I will tell that patient that the previous dentist has mentioned in the notes that they were monitoring or, you know, at handover, you know, John did mention that he was keeping an eye on a few areas where he was noticing that there may be future areas that we need to pay a little bit more attention to. One really good feedback comment came on one of the threads where they said, well, because uh, the previous dentist just used to do polishing super gingival, whereas these patients were definitely needing more, you know, RSD, subgingival work, seeing the hygienist, you know, proper periodontal treatment. And he was suggesting uh, something along the lines of, well, they were maintaining above the gum line. Now the actual plaque and bacteria and the inflammation is, is extended under the gum line. So the need for treatment in that area has become more important. That's why we're now doing something extra than what you've had before. So linking something that you're suggesting to what that patient is used to, the person that patient is used to, and gradually steering them into the idea of doing something new. Mentioning at that first visit, okay, right, well, I can notice this, this, and this. This is what I'd suggest we do now, but it's something that we definitely need to have a really close look at the next time you come in. That way you're leading them up to the idea maybe in three months or six months. You then say, okay, well, these areas aren't quite as stable as I'd like. I think now it's worth going to see our hygienist for a little bit more specific treatment tailored towards those areas of of gum inflammation. One thing that um, I think is important to be aware of, and I am actually going to see if I can do a podcast episode to do with this, but it's all to do with what behavioral neuroscientists know about how you change people's behaviours and what works and what absolutely definitely doesn't. And one of the things that they know does not work in changing someone's behaviours is basically the fear factor. They know that if you put a picture of rotting lungs on a pack of cigarettes, there is a very small number of population that will actually respond positively to that and quit smoking. The majority of people won't do that. And the reason for it is that in nature, animals have 
fight, fly, or freeze as their responses. Very few fight, most flee, and most freeze. Now, in, in human nature, what tends to happen when we're presented with you know, a future negative consequence and, and an attempt to scare us into changing our behavior is we tend to internalize it and we tend to try and rationalize things. Now, how that translates into dental practice is that if you're seeing a patient for the very first time and you're telling them that they've got major problems or they've got something that hasn't been mentioned by a previous dentist and you try to basically scare them into changing their behavior, which is what some people suggested. So you show them horrendous pictures, you tell them the teeth are gonna fall out, you tell them all these things, which are potential future negative consequences. Now they're not gonna happen in six months unless you're dealing with somebody at the very end stages of, of perio disease. What you tend to find is people will internalize it and rationalize it. And now the way they'll rationalize it in this situation is they'll say to themselves, well, my previous dentist never said that. I saw them for 10, 15 years. They never mentioned it. I've never had any problems. Everything feels fine. And they begin to rationalize this, this negative. So they, try, they basically try and defend themselves against the negative feelings that you're there, you're trying to, to give them. And actually what that does is that has the opposite effect of what you want. It makes people more resilient to future negative information. So it actually makes, them even, it, makes it even harder for them, uh, harder for you to change their behaviours by using that, um, adopting that technique. So it's far better to focus on, and I know this is hard, but far better to focus on the positive things, try and uh, build rapport and slowly introduce it so we don't switch these patients off I mean, the worst thing is that they don't come back to see you. How can you possibly improve someone's perio and, and dental health if they never come and see a dentist again or never come and see you again? It's better if you try and build relationships, look long-term and gradually change people's behaviours over the years. Um, now, most people will probably be a lot more receptive a lot sooner, uh, but it's important that you maybe try and be a little bit more patient, take your time, take a breath, realise that they're only teeth and people can make the decision in their own time and trying to learn how to do communication in a way that is tailored to each individual. There's not one method for each person. Don't have a spiel that you give out to everybody exactly the same way. It's interesting actually, because these behavior scientists have found that the least receptive age groups to that technique where you're telling someone of, of a negative future consequence, the, the least receptive age groups uh, the most vulnerable, the younger teenage, young people, teenagers, and the old people. So you want to be trying to adopt different techniques, in my opinion, focus on building relationships. So to summarize, when you're taking over a list, the first thing you want to be trying to do when you're meeting these patients for, for the first time is building rapport, is developing a relationship. Now, if you're seeing active disease that needs immediate management you have to deal with that so if you see a whopping great cavity or pathology or apical pathology and you know things that obviously need you but sort of more long-term chronic things controversially i think we need to be drip feeding this information in and periodontal condition is a massive one and probably the one that is the most relevant to most people's practices we want to be informing them that there is a bit of a disease process. There's inflammation, connecting it to the previous clinician in some way. So I can see from 
the notes that so-and-so has been keeping an eye on this and he has been monitoring it. When we take these measurements, when we do the, the check of the gums, we compare you to yourself and I can see over the years that there's been some areas that have been monitored by John. We need to make sure that these don't carry on going in the same direction. So we'll review these at the next visit. I think we're approaching the point where we're going to need to increase the management of this. And we've got a hygiene team that is specifically dedicated to, to this sort of treatment. So I think next time, if, if things haven't improved, we'll be looking to send you over to see them. They're fantastic. I see the hygienist. All my family sees the hygienist. And they really, really are good at working with patients to improve this. Because at the stage that you're at, it's reversible, but it gets to a point where it becomes an irreversible problem and it's more damage control. At the moment, if we improve things, it'll be like you've never had anything. But it involves long-term maintenance, which is the important thing. And these uh, long-term relationships that you're building with patients, that is the most vital thing because we're dentists. You know, we're here to improve people's oral health. You can't do that if they don't see you, if they don't like you, and if they don't believe you. So just be a little bit more patient get less frustrated because that'll come across quite easy, uh, quite obviously in consultations. Don't take it personally. Look to the long term. Don't go against your ethics and don't do things unethical. You can't hide information, but we just need to work on better ways of communicating it. Now, I hope that's helped. I would appreciate that some people are going to kind of disagree with quite a few of those points, but... Um, that's what these are all about really this is my opinion this has worked for me we've gone from having when I first came here in 2010 half a session so half day hygiene every two weeks we're now at six full days of hygiene treatment we have the majority of our patients see the hygienist they're all receptive they're all engaged you've also you've obviously got a few people that just don't care it's not that they, they don't believe you, they just do not care. The kind of patients who say, well, if it becomes a problem, I'll just have a tooth out. You're always going to have that. People can make that choice. It's their choice. You know, it's not, it doesn't mean that um, we're not doing our job right. It just means that they're a human being and they're in, entitled to make their own decisions about their own health. Let me know what you think. Uh, all feedback, welcome. Take care and share this. Engage me in conversation on, on social media. Um, let's see what people think of it.